0: CITR one hundred one point nine FM. That button's sticky, very very. Um, this is the Ink Show, the Radio Show. Where we talk about comics. Uh, CITR way out at UBC in Vancouver. It's a it's a great day in Vancouver. The it's weather a is, classic day in Vancouver. It's a classic Vancouver. Summer's day. over, folks. Yep, it's going to be like this from October till uh, March, May. Ah, uh, yeah. Um this week's special guest is peter bagg do i got you there yeah i'm here excellent i'm just uh checking my levels there hello peter hi and i'm joined this week by uh citr music director uh, luke Meat, who makes the occasional inkstuds appearance last time we had him on was uh mr brunetti when he came on and that was a fun time actually about. jim blanchard oh
1: that's right what Yep. Luke, was on. did
2: you play with ivan brunetti
1: what did we play i think he wanted to hear a lot of old like vaudevillian kind of music didn't well no he, one there's a one um one old
0: blues thing because i think that's a standard thing when you're cartoonist nowadays it's, it, it's, just it's old yeah
2: and we're all having the an old fogey contest <laughs>
0: Who gets the walker first? Who's <laughs> the most old-fashionedy? fashioned <laughs> <laughs> Well, I got the dainty shoes and the spats, the specs, the <laughs> spats, the, the, the little thing like Uncle Scrooge would wear. What are those called? Oh, well, the spats. The spats,
1: that, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and the sock garters. Right.
2: You know. Thanks. Although uh, spats are very, um that's also very snobby, because you know spats are made out of cloth, and that's that's how you knew that. uh he was a man of leisure if he's wearing sp- spats because no working man could get through the day wearing white cloth on his shoes, uh. you know. And that it, it, it suggested you didn't have to walk through streets or fields of mud, you know, only, only the most... Uh,
1: Wealthy. <laughs> so, would, so would you say that, that, that...
2: That's why it was such a sign of, of wealth, is that only somebody who could afford to be carried everywhere could get away with wearing spats.
1: So are comic artists the new aristocrats of this day and age? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, you could make that argument of, you caught any of us wearing spats. <laughs> I,
1: I, I could only think of one person that I'll probably Seth.
0: see. Yeah, probably, I could see him having a couple of pairs Who? Which one? Seth. Seth Oh
2: yeah But I don't, I don't think He wants to put on airs That way yeah. Todd McFarlane He'd wear spats
0: He, he would <laughs> <laughs> And he'd rant For about 45 minutes Like a railing coke fiend About how great they are For his Artistic constitution Anywho <laughs> I don't like Todd McFarlane We'll leave it at that We're Personally not Personally that... or artistically I haven't met him in person But There's some creative things He'd done That I I definitely Wouldn't Not creative Uh lights license stuff that whole miracle man thing really bothers me because it's a wonderful thing that should be let go and let
1: he owns a baseball i certainly wouldn't mind having
0: yeah he was a baseball player yeah
2: he was in the minor leagues i believe there you go. Yeah, I he's, a he's plane from, ride with him. That's the only time I ever met him, and it just took baseball the whole time.
1: He's from my my old stomping grounds, Calgary, Alberta, as well. And, huh. uh, that's not a nice place to live, but right. You know. That's
2: where the Mariners used to
1: have a farm team in Calgary. They did, yes, the yeah. Calgary Cannons, yes. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so what, what, let's go here.
3: <laughs> okay. oh, that's The show's <laughs> over. <laughs> All right,
0: we're done here. Okay, and that was Pete. <laughs> so the reason Pete's joining us today, or Peter, Peter, which is better? I don't care. You don't care. Okay. My dad's a Peter. Oh. It's got to be Peter. Other guys, other
2: heterosexuals, heterosexual males always call me Pete, with very few exceptions, whereas women and and gay men call me Peter. I don't know what that says about your dad. (laughs) But But that being said, I honestly don't care. Hmm. I don't even notice. I don't even notice if somebody's, for the most part, if you're calling me one or the
0: other. He's probably listening right now, so he's got a lot to think about. Okay. So you're coming to town. The reason, I mean, you've come on before. A couple of years ago, it's one of my first, uh, one of my earliest guests of uh, notoriety or fame, I guess, is oh. a good way of putting it. So I'm really happy to have you back on. Um, part of the reason we're having you on is because Sunday you're going to be in Vancouver at the Word on the Street Festival. Correct. And it's actually going to be in the, quote-unquote, Word Under the Street part, which is the... Uh, the, the- comic book ghetto that's the perfect way of putting it basically right. all the comics folks are stuck into a dungeon in the in the lovely vancouver library which right. has a wonderful I have to comic say, i'm glad
2: that we're at least indoors i'd rather be in the basement than uh,
0: outdoors yeah because you're from the pacific or you're in the pacific northwest so you have a rough idea of what the right september's right. like um and actually last year because of the strike um you were possibly get a couple last year but you're coming up this year and yeah, last year, yeah, luckily, i
2: heard that everybody was very stuck in the rain
0: they were stuck in the rain and nothing goes better than comics in the rain yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> so go and talk to the cartoonists the folks they're going down a word of the street and ask right. anyone about last year and they'll
2: peruse their soggy wares mm, yeah so what can we
0: expect from you on sunday
2: um, from two to two thirty, only a half an hour. I don't know if we'll be able to extend it, but officially, just from two to two thirty, I'll be giving a talk. Uh, uh, somebody named Gabe from Lucky's Comics is going to be my moderator, but he's just going to ask me a few questions, and then if anybody raises their hands, they could ask me questions. After that, um, whatever time I do wind up ceasing to talk. I'll be signing books for an hour at the Lucky Comics own booth. They'll have their own own table there. So, and they ordered they're ordering lots and lots of my Fantagraphic book collections. So, um, I'll be I- signing stuff there. Hopefully, they'll have other stuff too but fantagraphics told me that uh lucky has ordered an awful lot of the hate collections
0: i was actually up at lucky's the other day and i noticed they also had a big stack of apocalypse nerds
2: oh great good
0: which is your latest book that's right which uh last time i talked to you you were i think two, one or two issues in and i think uh it took another year and a half for the rest of them to. yeah it took to way up. too long All right but it's a fantastic series in the oh well, thank you N- agreed. Ag- agreed Agreed <laughs> um, Are you bringing up anything Any goodies Or is it basically going to be what
2: uh... No that, that, Boy I'll probably um, You know I might bring Some Because usually people Ask me for this I might bring Anything Out of print That I have Some excess of Old Comics Or toys Or and, uh And maybe some small pieces Of original art um, but, you know, first, when I get there, I guess I'll, you know, survey the lay of the land and see if, there, if there's any interest. You know, if I should be trying to make some money, let's put it that way.
0: Well, I, I recommend the original art thing because uh, it's, uh, people love being able to buy stuff right off the artist. And I was right. happy with my Spidey G-Had that I got off you at Town last year. So <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> My girlfriend even let me put it on the wall. which is a rarity of my comic stuff. Most of it gets filed away. Sigh. So, um, reminder folks, Sunday, Vancouver Library, we're on the street, 2 o'clock in the downstairs dungeon. Now let's go into what's been going on for you comic-wise. You have the Apocalypse Nerd collection, which came out, I guess, last year, beginning of the year? Yes. Beginning of the year, some time ago. I can't,
2: you know, I can't really remember (laughs) either, but yeah, sometime last year it came out.
0: But your most recent thing is your Ron Paul strip you did for Reason Magazine.
2: Um, yeah, that was the last thing I've done for Reason. and since Right now, um, Fantographics is going to publish a collection of everything I've done for Reason so far. And that'll come out sometime next year. I'm not really sure when. Um, but uh, But I'm taking a hiatus from doing anything for a reason at the moment. Not because I want to, but it's because I got um, knee-deep in a graphic novel project that I'm doing for Vertigo right now.
0: Wow. And
2: uh, and I'm way behind <laughs> <laughs> I'm blowing. I, I used to never blow a deadline, uh, but the, the older I get, the slower I get. So I've kind of uh, I'm putting everything off to the side to get this thing done and then some reasonably
0: timely fashion. Well, first, uh, what's what can you say about the Vertigo project you're working on?
2: Well, the, the, uh, the title is Second Lives. It's plural. And it is referencing that online community game or whatever you want to call it, uh, Second Life. And what it's about is it follows uh, a period of time with these four characters. But each character... Either in their past or their, or in the present, are getting way too caught up and way too involved in these virtual identities. Whether it's like on something like Second Life, or playing computer games, or emailing, or espionage, they all have these second identities, and with with a lot of them, with several of them, the second, the false identities start to take over. And not only clash with their own real lives, but all four of these people—both their real lives and their fake lives—all uh, collide with each other.
0: That sounds kind of a lot like a departure from your normal. Uh,
2: yeah, concept. somewhat, somewhat. Although uh, it's still, you know, it's it's not like I'm delving into the world of fantasy here. I am, I I am, but it's still. Um. It's still reality, and I'm it's just, it's, a, it's about real people who indulge in fantasies and the, and having I mean, the fantasies, you know, getting a little bit too carried away. But uh, it's still like almost everything that I do, except for when I, you know, I'm hired to do a one shot Spider-Man comic. It's still all within the realm of
0: plausibility. Now, are you writing and drawing it? Yes. All right, and that's funny that you're talking about the. Uh, the, the problems with the deadlines and stuff because you're one of those few folks that comes from both sides of the editorial spectrum because of your experience with Weirdo. Right. so And actually, I have a, a little odd uh, I don't know, if it, it's not really a question, it's just a little thing. Kim Deitch was up here a month ago right. and was saying how uh, you're uh, the, the next uh, fellow coming up to Vancouver of the uh, the comic scene, and he's saying, Pete, he's the best best editor I've ever had. Oh, Jesus Right.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, the only thing with Kim Deitch, the only thing I could remember uh, ever telling him to do is maybe, you know, remember to dot your eyes. (laughs) He's not somebody that really needs editing.
0: Well, he said any time that you had any input, any criticism, you had input to provide as well. Instead of just saying something wasn't good, you could say, that's not working, but try this. Right. So I think uh, that aspect worked quite well. Uh, for him. I'll be darned! I'll be
2: darned! He must be
0: remembering something that I've completely forgotten. Well, well we're uh, for me, yeah, sounds oh, good. That's going to be what? Twenty-five years ago, the, the yes. weirdo days. Yeah. So the reason strips, um, Ron Paul. Yeah. I, I want to talk a little bit about about libertarian politics right now, okay. because of what's going on in the states. Right. Um, what do you think of the seven hundred billion dollar? Buyout. Oh,
2: boy. You know, I, I can't give you a, a forward. I'm, of course, ideologically, I'm completely against it. Um, and uh, I especially blame... Well, you know, I blame everybody, but I particularly blame the Bush administration. And even mistakes that I remember that other people don't, that even the Clinton administration made, although I like to think it wouldn't have gotten this bad if... They were still in power, but um, you know it, it's, the, the Feds were the people that, that kept printing up this money and kept loaning it to these huge banks who were giving it away like candy to people who could never pay it back. So, and, and also the federal government, and I suppose this is true in, in most industrialized countries, uh, they insure uh, people's bank accounts. And um... and now they're insuring people's mortgages even. So uh... they just—it's just a case of the federal government, particularly, just making way more promises than they could keep. They're just—and and the same with the two guys that are running for president. Mm-hmm. You watch either of them talk; they're just promising the sun and the moon. You know, they—they they never tell people. You know, this is <laughs> not only is it. <laughs> unwise, it's undoable. Not just to do this, but to wage war all over the world, and, you know... I mean, look at, like, even the... And I'm, I'm not trying to let the Russians off the hook, but even the mess that we have in Georgia, it was, to a large degree, it was brought on by our a idiotic president... Courting. You know, giving the poor Georgians, who they themselves should have known better, but, uh, I mean, there's no there's no good guy in this picture. No, But he gave them these... Unfounded assurances. You know, they seem to think like that we're going to go to war with Russia. (laughs) You know,
0: (laughs) which McCain thinks is
2: a good idea. You know, let to
0: revive the Cold War. Let's poke the sleeping bear. Yeah, yeah, that's
2: (sighs) right. It's like you know, we've we've moved on to another world threat, but let's bring back the bad one too. Go to war with everybody, Uh, and and that's 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 one of the reasons that I, I. that I like someone like Ron Paul is just uh, that he lives in reality and he talks in reality and points, like he, he when I saw him speak, he pointed out the fact that, uh, you know, here everybody is wringing their hands and having a fit over the price of oil. But he accurately pointed out that when you pin the price of oil or compare the price of oil over the last five, ten years to the price of gold or other commodities, you know gold is the obvious one because mm-hmm. you know he he wants to bring back the gold standard but silver copper anything any hard commodity that the price of oil hasn't really gone up at all it, it if you compare it to something else that's that's tangible it's only gone up because we've been in order to pay for wars and to pay off our ever increasing debt and to pay for what well, the 700 Million dollars, which is going to turn into two and a half billion dollars once you include the interest, we have to print that money up. And the more money you're printing up, the less that causes down. inflation. Yeah. You know, then the, the dollar, the of course, is worse, w- worth less. Like back in the 70s, every Nixon insanely tried to make inflation illegal. <laughs> <laughs> well, it
0: just. It, <laughs> an odd comparison is what happened in Chile with. Uh, I don't know if you know much about there about I guess six, five, six years ago is when during the 90s in their conservative government there they had a dollar parity and they just weren't able to uphold the um, right the offers they had for having bonds and stuff and at one point uh, everyone knew what was up and truckloads of money literally truckloads were leaving in the middle of the night yeah. going back to the states to American investors and all of a sudden the, the banks had to lock the doors, and people's right. money was, well, we're screwed. It's well, all worth exactly half, and you can only take out 200 bucks a month.
2: You know, It seemed like a good idea at the time, but a lot of third-world countries and Latin American countries, at least the prospect came up when Europe introduced the euro of should we pin the value of our currency to the dollar or the euro? Mm-hmm. And I guess it seemed like a good idea just because they've been around longer to stick with the dollar. And uh, now, like... I have a Spanish publisher in Spain, and he used to uh, he used to export his books, including mine, to Latin America. And he says now, not at all. He doesn't sell anything over there because he deals—he's Spanish, so he deals in euros, and that makes to, to the to the uh, Spanish distributors that makes his books insanely expensive. So he's not exporting anything there anymore because they're stuck, you know, with the dollar. Yeah. Uh, Who would have ever thought the Canadian dollar would be worth?
0: It? <laughs> <laughs> oh well, you know, give it a. We've already started sliding down again. It's gone. Oh. It's gone from uh, parity to about, I guess it's about six cents right now.
2: Six oh, six cents, cents down. lower than the dollar. Yeah, oh, I thought you were considerably above. No. Oh,
0: jeez. No, that like, was a fun ride. Yeah. That oh, we was enjoying a fun it. ride. <laughs> yeah. No, I think uh, Canada is going to be facing some similar uh, effects mm-hmm. in about a year.
2: Oh, so. with. Uh, with the mortgages and all of that.
0: Yeah. It's, uh, our housing market boomed here and right. we're just, you know, it's starting to bust. And I think Vancouver, there's just been such a ridiculous over expenditure in homes and the prices here are just ridiculous because of this whole, Ooh, the Olympics are coming. The Olympics are coming. And then, you know, after that two week euphoria run, it's just going to be messy.
2: Yeah. That's, that's people are insane to think. I want to, I want to get, invest in a thirty year mortgage in a specific town because the winter Olympics are gonna be there for three weeks.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's, I think you said it best, Peter, when you said people are insane actually. But
2: uh, so much of what's going on too, the the main reason for this seven hundred billion dollar bailout is psychology. It's all psychology. But mm-hmm. like, technically it's not needed. But it's but until it. By doing this, by infusing all this money into this handful of banks, it just makes the average investor, who you think you know, and, and most big money investors are generally they're better educated, and you wouldn't think that they'd be uh, running away from imaginary boogeymen. But uh, but yeah, it's all to make them feel better
3: yeah.
2: to to take out loans and to give loans.
0: What do you think of this prospect of uh, all these debates being delayed because of the financial crisis? Do you think that...
2: Um, I, I would like to think that um, both the, the two men that are running for President Obama and uh, McCain, I would like to think that they took their job seriously enough. I mean, that there are only one of 100 people in this country of 200 million people who could vote on things like this. And yet, you know, they've just, they've spent the last two years running for president mm-hmm. and uh, if I was a citizen of either of their states I'd be pretty upset about the fact that <laughs> they're not doing their job in not- the Senate at all.
0: It's true well, considering Obama was just elected what?
2: Right, right. Three, and he's, yeah, three years he's, ago? He spent the whole he, ever since he's been elected to the Senate he's been uh, running for president, um... but of course, so I would I would have more respect for McCain if if he suddenly, miraculously, suddenly decided two months ahead of time that he needs to take his job as U.S. <laughs> senator seriously. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, that's not why he's doing it. It's all he's desperate, you know. Yeah, I it, a... it's, it's it's one of his many hillary passes he's been making, and it's been it's been hilarious too. He he's. Through this whole campaign, he's been shockingly admitting that he doesn't understand economics, and he doesn't. Then the economy is not his strong suit. And ever since this disaster struck, whenever people ask about him on a TV, whenever you see him on, on TV, he literally looks like a deer caught in the headlights. He just has the most <laughs> panic-stricken look on his face. <laughs> so I'm not surprised that he's running and hiding at the moment. No. He loved it when all of a sudden this this you know in the grand scheme of things, this relatively minor issue of what happened in Georgia and the Soviet Union, then he was riding high. It's like he was so happy that we might be able to, that's something he understood being in a, you know. From the Cold War. Yeah. Being being how He was a five-year prisoner of the Cold War. <laughs> <laughs> the good old days.
0: We're going to do a quick song break because I see Eric's calling in right now. Okay. Or he was calling in yeah there he is yeah. he's calling in so we're gonna play pick me and then when we come back
1: we'll talk about music
2: okay <laughs> there, and there is a uh, there actually is a uh, when you play pick me there's a, a cartoony reference that i gotta explain to you it okay. should be obvious but if not
0: we'll yeah, get into it i'll point it out okay so we'll be right back Inkstead, okay. C I T R
1: okay i think i've got it what is it is that the we really mean it from what's up doc yeah you've yeah. got it okay
2: i got blisters on my fingers i got blisters on my fingers <laughs>
0: yeah all right uh citr 101.9 fm this is the ink show the radio show where we talk about what luke
1: we talk about comics
0: there we go but right now we're not talking about comics we're talking about music we have uh peter bagg who will be in town on sunday at Word in the street down at the vancouver library you can go and see him at two o'clock in the basement that they call word under the street and we're also joined by um, let's see if I got your job title properly Uh, paid apologist for fanographics books Eric Reynolds
4: and official shill
0: and official shill there we go I forgot the second part and these two men make up two thirds of a band known once known I guess uh, as the action suits we've got to get Andy on the phone (laughs) (laughs) I know (laughs) I don't know, Andy, though. He would have given you his number. (laughs) I guess I failed. Well, you guys had a couple weeks to suggest it.
1: Now, gentlemen, you call the action suits the kings of pussy rock. Right Now, is is pussy rock the opposite of cock rock? Um, Apparently.
4: It's a, you know, multifaceted term, I think. (laughs) It's the opposite of cock rock, but it's also rock that the
1: ladies will enjoy Oh, so it's, it's actually to, to maybe get pussy then? It could be. Okay, I thought that was like <laughs> not more... That, not that, that I thought Cock Rock was absolutely. to get pussy. Right?
4: <laughs> I would think we were also the known as uh, Cock Rock. putting the trio
3: <laughs> back in our trio. <laughs> no wonder it backfired.
1: <laughs> now listen, you've got two amazing artists in the band, and the Archies, of course, with Sugar Sugar, um, we're the first band to score a number one hit song through an animated TV show can the action suits actually would you ever think of making a cartoon just so you can have a vehicle to get the action suits a number one hit song?
2: Yeah, yeah. sure if somebody would be willing to pay for it and, and draw it and make it and put it <laughs> on the
1: air we'd be all for it <laughs> exactly so, so everything, but the, everything but the music if that got taken care of you would be, you'd be willing to, to do that? Yeah, of course, why not? Okay. Uh,
4: I, I'd, I'd be willing to direct the show, too. <laughs>
3: um,
2: uh, years ago, I did uh, an all-ages comic called Yeah, and it was about, like, an all-girl rock band, but they had one of their... There was a competing band in the comic called The Snobs, which was one of the original names for the action suits before I joined. And The Snobs basically were the action suits, I. I the three members of the action suits but made us look adolescent. And um, and at one point, uh, the air was in development uh, as a potential TV show, in which case the snobs would have been in it too. So in a very roundabout way, there was at one point a slim possibility of the action suits being in animated non-television.
3: We why, even
1: why tried you,
2: writing some songs for such an indent. An yeah.
1: <laughs> why did why did the name change? And I think the Snobs is an amazing name. Was it yeah, taken? Yeah,
4: a fantastic name. That was before I joined.
1: Was it taken? I, I,
4: you know, I don't remember, to be honest, why, you know, we had a whole bunch of different names and, at one point. And eventually, you know, the action suits just took hold.
1: Can I ask what was working with Steve Fisk like? Great. Yeah, did he did I mean, he try to experimentalize you guys at all or anything like that? Like, because no. he's done some pretty amazingly weird stuff in his past. So yeah.
4: no, in fact, I'd say Steve actually like went out of his way to kind of like rein it in and make it like sound really authentically, you know, pop. He was like he he understood, I think, what we were going for, and you know, tried to tried to work towards that. Yeah, he
2: would. He makes it clear that you know the sky's the limit, and you could he'd be willing to try anything so he was very open to ideas um but yeah basically what he did was always to, to stick with this somewhat with our somewhat or not somewhat very dated sound
1: <laughs> <laughs> well speaking of dated sounds then sub pop recently celebrated its 20th anniversary you're both located in seattle correct yes yeah um do you think a grunge renaissance is inevitable
2: well, they've been talking about that forever, and um, uh, not in any big way. I mean, there is there is a well, grunge nostalgia is like this permanent industry, um, and not that sub pop is their business is totally based on that because they have a lot they have a lot of bands that aren't the least bit grunge, like the Shins mm-hmm. and other people
0: and the Vaseline's. Mm-hmm. So they, they, they
2: they and and other labels. Still make plenty of money just selling the old stuff. My daughter, is is eighteen, and over um, when she turned about fifteen, she—I never thought it would happen—but she got totally into grunge music. And as the years went by, she, of course, it started with Nirvana, but she loves uh, Mud Honey and the Fastbacks and a whole bunch of those bands.
1: That's funny you bring up Hannah, actually, Peter, because I was going to ask you—is how much influence have you had on? her musical taste, or in the case of your obsession with the Spice Girls, was it vice versa, actually, when she was growing up?
2: Well, I did, um, I, I exposed her to the Spice Girls, although I'm sure she would have discovered them anyway, you know, whether I did or didn't. But... um I got into them first.
4: <laughs> awesome. <laughs> always on the cutting
3: edge.
2: I win. Um, but I, I influenced what she listens to largely just from what she was exposed to the music she'd hear around the house. So her musical taste isn't identical to mine but uh, or her mom's, but it is pretty similar just because of, again, just what she's always heard. You know, and she would pick and choose through that.
4: Yep. She recently borrowed a zombie CD from me, which I don't think would have happened if not for her father.
2: <laughs> but Fantastic she never, uh, band. I mean, After the Beatles, who she also loves, uh, my second favorite band is the Beach Boys, and she just never got into the Beach Boys. Really? No. And what the about- Gees, too. I'm a big Beachy fan. She, oh. um, a a man, Any
1: man singing falsetto that sets her pet peeve oh, drives okay. her crazy. Have you picked up Dennis Wilson's reissue of uh, Pacific Ocean Blue yet? No, I have. it's fantastic. By the way, so I great. Them, yeah, how
4: is it? How is it different from
1: the original? There's A lot of outtakes and just extra songs that didn't wind up on the album. It's a double CD. And it's got it's,
4: the second the second album, Bamboo, as well. Yeah, is that good?
1: Yeah, it is. Yeah, actually,
4: not, I don't think it's as good as uh, Pacific Ocean Blue, but you know they're both right up there in terms of you know seventies Wilson brother projects.
1: It's much better than Love You, at least.
4: Oh. Yeah, I would agree. Pete might disagree. I know. <laughs> it's no, I, I, I just remember, um,
2: <laughs> I've only heard what was the single from Mike Love's solo album, which used to crack me up, but didn't send me running out to buy the thing.
1: Well, that's funny, because I, I was just going to ask. Um, I, I mean, I want to quote you. His incurable addiction to lawsuits, Peter, are you still a defender of Mike Love to this day?
2: Oh, I'm not. I'm not, not I don't defend everything about him. But it's it's more my whole my whole point when I wrote that defense of my glove was um, I, I I find it hard to believe that so many people could be Beach Boy fans in spite of him. You know, it's, it's just <laughs> uh, I, I think is or too, too many people who are hardcore Beach
1: Boy fans. Well, the Brian Wilson fans rather than Beach Boys fans, I think. Actually,
2: right. I to, to me, I, I I don't understand. Uh, w- well, I do understand it, but I object to this sharp division. Fair and uh, and also, there isn't that sharp a division between the sensibilities of, to a large degree, of Brian Wilson and Mike Love. Brian Wilson can be just as corny and hokey and uh, mm-hmm. and huckstery as, uh, as Mike Love can, you know?
1: Fair enough. So, a, I, it's I mean, a...
2: anybody who does other things, you know, but Brian Wilson, of course, is besides being far more talented, he's much more multifaceted and a far more complicated artist than Mike Love is. I guess but like know, the for, for the of... most part, I like Mike Love. I like his voice and you know, I'm a big Beach Boy fan. Absolutely. And I just think, just from a creative standpoint, I, I think he gets dissed way too much. I don't want to be his friend. I, <laughs> don't, want to, I don't want to go into business with him.
0: <laughs> no, I've got a, a couple of quick ones. Um, I'm looking at the cover to the Action Suits album from Press Pop Music, and Eric, are you specifically looking Beach Boy-esque with the beard there
4: <laughs> you do look <laughs> like I michael in that picture. <laughs> are you asking me if i was trying to yeah um uh you know i don't know but you know when i have a big beard and people tell me i look like dennis wilson i take it as a compliment
1: oh. he was the best looking of the bunch at least
4: he was he's a stud
1: There you go. now let's get a little background
0: on who the action suits were where did it come from
4: well, Eric
2: should tell you that because yeah. he was in the group before I was,
4: and well, after I was. Um, <laughs> it started. It, it started pretty informally with me and Al Columbia. Um, Al and I lived together in the early to mid '90s, and um, we both had just sort of dabbled, you know, playing music and writing songs, um, sort of half-heartedly over the years in our youth, and um, but. When we both ended up living together in Seattle, neither one of us had any instruments anymore. At one point, when I moved to Seattle in 93, I, I sold my guitar to make rent money and um, was just, you know, i just gotten rid of everything and didn't really think I would ever play in a band in Seattle. And, um, and Al was sort of in the same boat. He moved out here with nothing. And um, one weekend, we house sat for a friend of ours, was um, this guy named Joe Newton, uh, who used to be the the drummer in Gas Huffer, um, oh, yes. and he had a whole band. Their whole Gas Huffer practice room set up in the basement, and we house sat for him for a weekend. And the, and basically, Al and I just spent the whole weekend playing music down in the basement and writing songs and um, just making up songs on the spot and stuff. And we just enjoyed it so much that like we just immediately like went out and you know bought. A, bought guitars and just kind of continued it and we were also living at the same time with andy schmidt who um was a a good old friend of mine and um so you know andy played bass and i played guitars and al played guitars and we just wrote some songs and that was that the only problem was we didn't have a drummer um that's where pete eventually came in
1: can i ask uh was gas huffer offended at such sensitive music coming from their instruments
4: well, I, I don't know. They probably never heard it, to be honest, although um, our music that we were playing, me and Al, probably wasn't quite so um, purposefully, you know, bubblegummy. Um, and, you know, Pete really, like, kind of, kind of gave the action suits their identity as this kind of bubblegum band, and I think it's partly because I kind of wrote those types of songs. Um, but I, being a little, maybe being a different age than Pete, I kind of was firmly in, you know, indie rock mode. I was in my early to mid-twenties at the time, and, um, you know, I, I probably wanted to sound like, you know, Pavement or something more than, um, you know, Tommy James and the Shondells or something, and um, and so it was Pete who really kind of, you know, said, hey, this is, you know, this song, you should try doing this, you should try doing that, and, um, and just sort of, you know, got us out of that mold of sort of just trying to... Sound like an indie rock band, and actually kind of give us, you know, a little bit of an identity, which was, um, which I think was a lot of fun, and really ultimately the the only appeal of the action suits. I think if we had just recorded those songs like a, you know, like a a, a a typical '90s indie rock record, it just would have, you know, just sounded as boring as as anything, you
1: know. Now, uh, well, I know so much that, um, well, Peter, in particular, I know you've written about how much you despise live music. Um, how much did the Action Suits play live? Like, like, did the Action Suits play very many gigs at all?
2: Yeah, about five
4: or six. Yeah.
1: Did you play like with anyone of note at all? What's that? Um, did you open or play with anybody else on the bill at all? or you know,
4: Believe it or not, we got it, an offer we to o- open for the Bay City Rollers once. But, wow. Um, but we turned them down. <laughs> Believe it
2: or not, we were always the headliners. <laughs>
4: <laughs> that's, that's true. Didn't deserve to be, but we were. Of course, we, we would be playing, Game like, Dark on a Wednesday one. night at some um,
1: dive bar.
4: Yeah, we played at Comic Con once with uh, Jaime Hernandez's band and J.R. Williams's band.
1: What about Alan Moore's band?
4: <laughs> yeah, have you heard that? <laughs> comic conventions. We'd love to. We'd love to headline for his band too, though.
1: Wow,
2: I'd be curious to. I've never seen them, and I hear they're terrible, but did you ever hear of The Remainders?
1: The Remainders? No.
2: They might not exist anymore. Oh, is that Stephen King? And
1: That that's Stephen King, oh, David Henry, Can.
2: Matt Graining and Amy Tan.
1: I know who you're talking about, yes. <laughs> yeah. And they're supposed to be horrendous. On there paper, it sounds pretty our, funny, though. Our other though.
4: kindred spirits uh, were uh, Seduction of the Innocent. <laughs>
3: oh, That wow. was a really <laughs> right? great
4: early 90s band with, um, I think... Peter David and Come Billy Mami. Mami <laughs> and Eve Lea <laughs> Oh,
0: no. They're
4: carrying on a proud... Did,
0: <laughs> did they have, like, Klingon
4: <laughs> outfits? <laughs> oh, I'm
1: sounds... just writing band names down right now, guys. <laughs> this is fantastic. Uh, is picking up where we left off. You think Lightning Bolt are picking up where you left off? Yeah. Who's Lightning Bolt. Lightning Bolt are very, very aggressive two-piece. You would hate them, Peter. I'm sorry. They are faster than fast. It's a bass and drum unit, and they are. They play. They usually have a ha- habit of playing in front of the stage. Like they will, they will go into the audience and basically set up and just play. They play a lot of house parties. There's a fantastic DVD by them. Just g- Google them. I'm sure you'll despise them. They are, are they, absolutely. And
0: are
1: they cartoonists? Yes, they are. Yes. Brian, Brian yeah.
0: Is one of the most maddening cartoonists. If
1: you try and, and read his, he story. does intense five hundred page volumes of stuff, and uh, he's like they are they are chaotic. And the annoying thing I don't even think they're out of their twenties yet, actually. Which is oh, even, Brian might be up there now. Like yeah. I hope so because I hate it when younger people are more talented than. Are they you know, from people. Vancouver? They are from uh, they are from uh, oh sorry, Providence, Rhode Island. Yeah. Oh,
0: from Fort Thunder with like Brian Ralph and a whole bunch of other swell folks. Right. But our
4: tall shadow casts all the way from Seattle to Providence.
2: <laughs> well, then there's also uh, James Pacholka, superstar. Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now,
4: why would you have to go in? There?
0: Well, <laughs> I'm just this show has had a history with James Pacholka, actually. Yeah. His, What's that? His phone was busy when he was supposed to be on.
4: Oh, <laughs> he has. A, he had a song that was. Uh, he dissed you. He like like John McCain on Letterman last night. <laughs> He was. Yeah. um, He
2: had a song that was like a minor hit. Something, something to do with monkeys.
0: Oh, monkey versus robot. Something like that. Mm, I can't
2: yeah. remember. Or, or I, I just had the word monkey in the. Wasn't a bad song either. I just heard it was getting airplay.
0: He likes to sing about his uh, penis, calling it a magic finger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. I, yeah. Once, when I was doing his signing, he just broke into that song out loud. <laughs> Man, child that he was. I thought it was fine. hilarious, but everybody else was understandably disgusted. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, listen, just back to the Canadian thing. Are there any Canadian bubblegum artists that you enjoy now? Like, were you a Terry Jacks fan at all, or um, Avril Levine, even? Uh,
2: Ter- Avril Levine? nah, nah. I don't know who either of those people are. She's oh. a, she still is
1: kind of a star, isn't she? she yeah, was? she is up here in six
2: or seven years ago. Um Eric, she came across um she seemed v- she was packaged to come across as indie. Yes. But that's just it. She was pa- she was as she was as packaged as, as Britney Spears or anybody oh, else. Right, right. But you know, but she would wear she would wear
1: flannel shirts, you know, and,
2: and have splotches of cheap hair color in her hair and stuff.
1: Yeah. And what um, was her
2: big hit that got played forever Some Skater kind of
1: boy. What? Skater boy. Skater boy yes. Skater
2: boy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: Yes. Okay,
0: I, I, I really don't want to talk about it. I'm sorry. Okay. And um, Harry
2: Jacks was We Had Joy, We Had Fun. That yes. one? That guy?
1: Yes, it was. Okay. He was Which Canadian. was
2: actually... I that,
4: like that song. That Seasons was, in the Sun? Yes,
1: yeah. it was Seasons in the Sun, but that was actually a... Um, yeah, The French guy. Um, I'm drawing a blank here. Scott Walker did a whole bunch of songs. Jacques Brel, actually. He did. That's actually a Jacques Brel song. I was going it... to say Pepe <laughs> Le Pew. But... Nice, thanks. Um, uh, one thing I wanted to ask you, uh, in particular, Pete, I'm sorry I'm asking, I'm not shunning you here, Eric, but I just gotta, I've just got to ask this. The reason why I got into your comics was because your characters had such obscure musical tastes, and namely, like, Studs Kirby's obsession with, like, Pete Fountain and Doris Day and Brennan Lee. And, um, like, now, are these based out of your own... Tastes and stuff, or is these based on people that you know, or are they based on yeah, someone?
2: Um, they or it'd be a mix. I would um, like those three people you just mentioned that Studs Kirby liked. I liked, and at that time too, I was somewhat making fun of myself because at that time, say I would do a comic strip where Studs Kirby is. I think he was he was having a crisis. Yes, he? he was, he was, he was conflicted with Doris and Brenda. A bigger wallop packer. It was Brenda Lee or Connie yeah. Francis.
1: Oh, was it Connie Francis? Yeah, okay. it was
2: Connie Francis. Just because, well, the two of them are are, are peers. You know, they're they're like, they, they their heyday for both of them was like the early '60s when they were both very young, mm-hmm. and and they both had like a somewhat similar gimmick where they were both tiny, like barely five feet, but they had these explosive voices. You know, the they're, they're when they sang, it just came bursting out of these tiny little frames. So. Uh, so yes, Studs Kirby was playing me, and and I was making fun of myself. But it was um, there's another cartoonist named J.R. Williams who's who's like a musical archivist, and and he was I think it was him that uh, he made me a lot of. I was already very familiar with Brenda Lee, but uh, J.R. Williams made me a bunch of tapes of Connie Francis, and both and for a while J.R. lived with me back in the mid '80s, and. It was a joke, but we would get into joke debates about who who packed more of a wallet, mm. Connie or Brenda. So I just had uh, that turned into a, a full on crisis for Studs Kirby. What Pete, about Pete Fountain? I love too, but but that comes from my dad. Who was
1: Pete Fountain, by the way? Just tell the people. I already know, but he was
2: a Pete Fountain was a, a clarinet player from New Orleans uh, and uh, played Dixieland music, but very. Uh, very accomplished slick dixieland music and i mainly liked listening to his records because um that my father had they were recorded in the 60s because he of his drummer he had a drummer named jack sperling who i still would say he's got to be the best drummer that ever lived and it's on a dixieland record but when you play this record the the, the drumming is just mind-boggling um and not and, and not like in some crazy buddy rich way who you know i hate the way buddy rich drums because it's just everybody just pay attention to me mm-hmm. you know in a way it's like the worst kind of drumming but there is uh, something to be I mean, said for is less is painful, more but just the way he plays cymbals is just amazing so that's the main reason i used to always listen to and i stole that record from my dad when i moved out of the house the one where
0: with the jack spurling on it
1: thank you very much that's, sure. that's all that's all i needed to know
0: um here's a quick um, question for you eric Tell us what you followed up uh, action suits with.
4: More action suits, um, which I'm sort of joking. But you know, <laughs> Pete left the band, and and we kept playing for a few years with uh, with my friend Chris Jacobs um, on drums, um, which Chris probably doesn't want people to know because he's now the general manager at Sub Pop. And <laughs> it probably wouldn't yes. help his street credit at all. Um, but uh, Being the Ringo that, star of the action I didn't suits? I play music for a few years in a band. Um, but for the last few years, I've been playing in a band again. And um, we were originally called the Reyes, um, which is named after my wife. My wife's the drummer in the band. Um, but she didn't like the name after a while. She got sick of it, so we changed it. And now we're called the uh, Fox Hollow I love the name the Reyes. <laughs> I love the Reyes too, but Rea couldn't handle it. She just, uh, it, it basically, when we picked the name, we made jokes that um, that that everybody would think that she came up with the name um, because she was a uh, you know egotist or something. <laughs> right. But, um, but it wasn't her at all. I mean, she resisted right. the name right from the get go, and and I forget who came up with it, but um, but the rest of us all really loved it, so we kind of bullied her into it. And it stuck for about a year, and then, but then, really, it, she just got tired of people coming up to her and saying, you know, what an arrogant person you are. <laughs> 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 Did you ever do and the and punk thing? It created a lot of awkward conversations when people, when you know, come up that you're in a band and, you know, you, oh, yeah, hi, my name's Rhea. Oh, you play in a band? Yeah, what's your band called? The Reyes. Yeah. And, you
1: know. <laughs> did you do the so punk thing where everyone had the last name Raya, like Eric Rea and, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we used to
4: joke about that. Yeah. Raya. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we did, actually.
0: Uh-huh. So tell us a little bit about Fox Hollow. Uh,
4: uh, you know, we played more. It's, it's, you know, still the same type of songs, although maybe, you know, a little more contemporary sounding for whatever that means. Yeah. Um, But it's myself and Raya Patton, my wife, who plays drums. And then uh, Adam Grano plays guitar uh, along with me. And Adam is one of the art directors at Fantagraphics. And then uh, keyboards is uh, Kayla Graham, who um, is is a local cartoonist and artist as well. And then uh, our friend Kevin Schlosser on bass. And uh, Kevin is one of my best friends who I met through... uh, he, he lives in the same building as another close friend of mine, Jeremy Eaton, another cartoonist, so it all sort of still connects to comics a little bit. And,
2: and your MySpace page?
4: Oh, our MySpace page <laughs> is um, myspace.com slash, I think, Fox Hollow Music.
0: Excellent. So right. folks, check that out. has some very finished sounding songs on there.
4: Yeah, we recorded, like, uh, six songs um, just a couple I just had a baby a couple of months ago and before we did that since we knew we wouldn't be able to play for a few months we went to a studio and recorded about six songs
1: wow she played drums while pregnant?
4: she played drums while about eight months pregnant wow
1: that's fantastic can hit the drums?
4: what's that? can you hit the drums when you're that pregnant? yeah you can in fact you know we were pretty we, we didn't know ourselves but um, but you know the doctor completely assured us that it was that it was totally okay um and in fact i i'd like to think that um she totally she 's three months old now, and she totally loves music like music is one of the few things that will consistently calm her down if she goes into a fit and it always has to be something with a pretty driving beat and i'd like to think it's because you know she listened to her mom playing drums for eight months
0: that's awesome oh <laughs> little collective awe well I think we 're at the end of our uh our time slot. We've got the the next show. They're staring at me through the window. Okay. Um, thank you so much for joining me or joining Luca and I. Right, Eric. Thank and you. And, and real quick,
2: I'm going to band now too with Steve Fisk, and it and we have a terrible name. It's can you imagine? And do not go to our MySpace.
1: <laughs> are you making? Are you are you pulling do
3: you my have leg a here? Site?
2: Um, it's it's uh, yeah, but it's it's only a, we set it up just as a way to 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 swap demo tapes with each other yeah. Yeah. wow so yeah it's really bad so oh, no, wow. don't go there
1: yeah that that's a really good in other good... words go there I'm now. checking I'm, I'm, as soon as we get off I'm checking it out I'm don't afraid. worry I will have it linked
0: on the website <laughs> no, so no, everyone no can check it out
1: <laughs> thank you so much you guys this is thank awesome thank you
2: thanks yeah. for letting me crash yeah I a lot, and I'll be seeing you guys uh, a couple days on on
1: Sunday you bet yep. alright in
0: about 48 hours or All right. 72 hours yeah thank you so much guys sure thanks okay. Okay. bye bye that was uh Peter, Pete Bag, Peter Bag, whichever um, predilection you like to uh, pronounce it by, and Eric Reynolds, the uh, publicist and um, apologist and paid shill for Fantagraphics, um, talking about the action suits. Don't forget Sunday at two o'clock. Pete will be doing a question and answer and signing at the Vancouver Library downtown word on the street it'll be in the word under the street which is downstairs you go in through the main thing and you go downstairs and you see a bunch of sweaty guys holding comics that's where you want to be it's going to
1: be awesome
0: awesome um also a reminder tomorrow night at lucky's comics who are also the sponsor of bringing peter up um there's a art show for you ain't no dancer uh volume three book by uh ed Brisson, the uh guy who put that together and tons of really great cartoonists will be in it, including uh jordan michon um uh cat strategy pack and a whole bunch of other swell folks steve roll still have some stuff up and lucky's is a good store i like to support them i agree um not that they sponsor the show but that would be swell gabe um and and <laughs> i can't even remember who i'm having on next week who am i having on next week i have no idea i should know but i can't remember we should wrap this up we should thank you so much for everyone listening and uh up next we got crimes and treasons what what Oh, which one am I putting on? Oh, yeah. I'm finishing off with a Fox Hollow song. I'm really out of it today. All right. So this is Eric Plato's band, not uh, Pete's band, which you can check out on MySpace.
3: Enveloping roots and branches Make no mistake It's been raining The roots have deepened Please enter I am leaving And you are trapped here